20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pack-A-Day Podcast with the Three Musketeers. I am Trevor Jossart, joined by Josh Zirkel oh. and Steve Perhatch. How are we doing today, guys? I'm a musketeer now. I'm doing great. How are you, Steve? Well, you know, besides being compared to one of the worst candy bars on the world, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Oh, my God. Three Ooh, Musketeers a, are great. What are you talking about? That's, oh. Yeah, I was going to say, that might be a debate for another day. I, love, <sighs> I had one today, actually. Oh, nougat no, all day. No, all nougat and chocolate. No, thank yes. you. Yes. Hard pass. What's the one with the nougat and the here. peanuts and the caramel? Is it Milky Way? Milky Way is like the deluxe. It's like the... It's like the deluxe three musketeers. It's like five and a half musketeers <laughs> when you do the yeah, math. I mean, you're picking a worse candy bar now. I don't know. I don't understand what's happening. Oh here. They're all just... they're all terrible. I mean, it's just <laughs> hunks of chocolate. Like, what do you what do you want? What is, what what's a good candy bar for you, Steve? I'm a traditionalist. I love a good Snickers bar. Oh, no. All right. Enough okay. of the, the Moving on. <laughs> on to Packers. The Packers did have a sweet pickup today. Um, let's dive into it right right away. Uh, uh-huh. Signing cornerback Bashad Breland um he is a he was a free agent after failing a physical um with the Carolina Panthers I believe it was a three-year 24 25 million dollar deal that he basically does not have anymore and the Packers got him for a one-year deal um a lot of reactions right off the bat especially with how the defense has played in the first couple of weeks and what I'm hearing Josh is a lot of good things what about you yeah, I think it's uh, a tremendous pickup for a guy that, you know, surprisingly was still out there. You mentioned the the failed physical back in March, and this was going to be a, a a big money guy, a big free agent signing for a, a, a team in Carolina that was still recovering from the Josh Norman's departure in a lot of ways. And uh, for him to just be available when Devon House goes on injured reserve, I, I think it's tremendous, uh, a tremendous pickup uh, from Brian Gutekunst. Uh, who again showing uh, some flash in the front office, Steve? What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean he's he's making his mark. He's not Ted Thompson, and I think fans are really going to appreciate the fact that he went out and saw with Devon House going on the IR. That's a big loss. I mean, I know he had he didn't play great, but he's still one of their five cornerbacks. And now they're down him. They're down Kevin King. We'll see as, how soon he's getting back. But having adding Breland. 26 year old corner who was due to make eight mil a year i mean that's some that's some decent money so i'll be intrigued to see what the money comes in at for the one-year deal but it all things all things considered that's a a hell of a pickup in week three of the nfl Mm -hmm. yeah just looking at some quick stats on breland over his uh first four seasons with washington uh 60 pass deflections eight interceptions um seven forced fumbles and 211 tackles so it kind of looks like he can do it all in the uh the passing attack he can he can lock down and cover and he can get up and make a play in the run game and this is the type of player i think the packers need um i remember just back in our previous conversation the last time we were on we were talking about the bears game and how a lot of these linebackers in secondary for the packers were over pursuing and just missing tackles and allowing jordan howard at the time to get nine ten yard runs um so I, I agree with a lot of the Packer fans. I agree with you guys. I think this was a good signing. Yeah, it's going to be neat to see what happens. Uh, you know, and I know we're, we're barely a month into the season, but but fresh legs, you know, a guy coming in who's uh, going to give a little bit of burst on defense too. I think that's going to be neat to see. 
So we have the uh, Packers facing the Bills this weekend. Um, and I'm sure you guys saw the whole ordeal on, with the Bills on Twitter about um, traveling 900 miles and landing in Madison, Wisconsin, and everyone was making fun <laughs> of them. And Vikings were having fun with them. And they go ahead and just blank the Vikings. Um, I don't know if this was a sign of the Bills maybe figuring it out. I doubt it. Um, or maybe the Vikings just looking ahead because they have the Rams this week on Thursday. Uh, Steve, are you at all worried about the Bills this weekend, especially after the way the Packers looked against the Redskins? I wouldn't say the Redskins are an overpowering team whatsoever, but um, is there any any thought that the Packers could come out and lay an egg too? <laughs> I mean, obviously it's possible. We just saw it. So I'm not going to say no, it's not possible. But I feel like, you know, coming off of a loss, coming back – uh, they'll be home. And I feel pretty comfortable that they'll be okay coming back. It's. I think the biggest thing for me, worry-wise, is if you watched any of that Bills game, they had a unbelievably smart game plan for Josh Allen. They didn't ask him to throw the ball down the field a lot. They ran curl routes. They ran swing routes. They had him check out of things. They had him get rid of the ball quickly. All sorts of smart schemes. I know it's a foreign concept to the Green Bay Packers, but schemes to get guys open and schemes for their quarterback to make smart plays, quick plays, and get the ball out of his hands. So one thing that worries me is the missed tackles because if you get the ball out quick, you have a higher percentage chance of completing the ball, and you've got guys in the open field. And the Packers proved so far they haven't been able to make all of those tackles, which for me that's the big worry. Yeah, for me, it's the defensive side of the ball for the Bills. I mean, this is a, a good, uh, talented group. It's a talented unit on all three levels. Uh, their D-line is very good and has been for some time. Uh, and, and McDermott has really just kind of been uh, supplanting that talent. They are starting a couple rookies. Uh, that's a concern as well. But when you take uh, an offense in Minnesota, granted, they're they're missing Dalvin Cook, and they had a lot of other injuries uh, on both sides of the ball as well. And you shut them down. Uh, for three quarters and almost four quarters, really, you've got to look at that and, and think to yourself, all right, we got to give Aaron Rodgers time. We've got to get our running backs going. Uh, and that's not going to be an easy thing to do against a, a defensive unit that, granted, got lit up by Phillip Rivers a couple weeks ago, but has, has done a good job of, of seizing the moment here and trying to get this, this team and this organization back on track. Uh, coming off a big win against Minnesota, there's no reason to think that, uh, they won't try and keep it going against Green Bay. Now, looking at the Packers' body of work so far, I heard this on the radio the other day, too. The Packers are one of maybe a couple teams in the NFL that you could say their record could – you could argue their record could go one way or the other. You could say the Packers could realistically be 3-0 and right now, but you could also say they could be 0-3. You look at the Bears game, they the Bears blew that one, and then you look at the Vikings game and a – I don't even know what to call it, a terrible uh, roughing the passer call by Clay Matthews mm. gave the Vikings another chance, and we all know um, that ended in a tie. I wouldn't say the Packers should have won against the Redskins, but, um, I mean, there are certainly opportunities there. But the reason I bring that up is looking at that game-changing play against Minnesota with Clay Matthews, we did see another roughing the passer on Matthews in the Washington game, and then a lot throughout the league. And this week, we're seeing it all over social media. Players are now standing up and speaking their 
there were thoughts on how, I don't know, if we want to call it soft, the league is becoming. Um, what do you guys think the state of the NFL is? What's going to happen? Is anything going to happen? And do the players need to adjust? Does, does the NFL need to do something? I know this is kind of a broad topic, but I mean, I think it's something that needs to be discussed. Josh, what do you think? Well, the players are going to adjust, in my opinion, uh, but not in the way that, that Roger Goodell and Al Riveron expect them to. And I'm not the first person to say this, but a guy like Clay Matthews, a guy who has done a good job of avoiding contact with the head, tackling in the midsection of the body, and, and having the audacity to finish that tackle and then still getting flagged for it anyway, he's going to look at that film and he's going to say, well, if I get 15 yards for hitting him in the head and I get 15 yards for hitting him in the midsection, I'm just going to go ahead and pop him, get my money's worth, and, and try and take him out of the game. And I'm not trying to suggest that Clay Matthews is a dirty player. What I'm saying is there's not going to be any incentive uh, to, to play, for lack of a better way to put it, cleanly, for to play in a, in a way that's going to protect the quarterback. And we looked. You watch the, the Monday night game. Cam Hayward had, leaves his feet, falls into Ryan Fitzpatrick's knees, and, and they pick that flag up. And that that flag, I think, had an impact on that game just as, as much as uh, that no flag, rather, just as much as Clay Matthews, uh, his hit had on that, that Minnesota game, that call. So we said this. Steve said this to me. I'm sure Steve has been saying this for years. I've been saying this for years. This is killing the game because now instead of watching two teams, we're watching a bunch of referees throw hankies around. And then where we can't understand what they're saying, there's a there's another older guy uh, that's not only that young enough to run around on the field anymore that has to explain everything to us. So we're not watching teams anymore. We're watching legislation happen. And, and I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm ready to cancel Sunday ticket. I'm ready to bow out and just start playing ball with my kids because it's not fun to watch anymore, Steve. I imagine you feel the same way. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things for me too, is it is the wild inconsistency of it. Yes. I mean, Deron Payne goes and throws, gets a sack on Rogers, but throws him face first into the dirt, the slam that they were talking about, but apparently he couldn't see it. I'm sorry. There's five officials on the field. and Nobody saw that. I find that hard to believe. So it's the, the wild inconsistency that really gets to me. Um, I don't know. I don't think that they're going to change. I really, unfortunately, don't. I think this is something the players are going to have to adapt to. Um, maybe in the offseason, like I saw the rumors around, going around today that the competition committee is going to have a has a, a conference call that they're going to be talking about this on because some of them aren't happy with the way that things are going. And that's good that they see that, but I'll be – shocked if they make a mid-season change to this type of rule right i think this is something that the players are gonna have to get used to they're gonna have to start going after the ball more it's just something you have to get used to like nobody liked the catch rule for two three years because nobody could understand what the hell was happening and eventually they changed that but they didn't go in the middle of the season be like hey everybody's complaining on twitter about the catch rule so we should change that right now no that happens in the off season, so I think at least for this season, we're kind of stuck with it. Hopefully, they'll cut down because right now they've had through three weeks. There's been 34 roughing the passer calls. That's double Ugh. the past two years. So mm -hmm. we're on pace to go for over 190 some um, roughing the passers this year. So I mean, honestly, buckle up and get used to it. It's funny you bring up the inconsistent. Well, not funny, just an observation. Um, the whole point of this 
this change basically is for player safety. And I guess the quarterback is a little bit more valued position and you got to watch it more. But I was listening to Dan Patrick today and he, they obtained an audio clip from last night's Monday night game. Um, I'm sure many of you guys saw the stiff arm by, I think it was Vance McDonald. Yep. Um, and they, so what they did is they played the clip uh, of McDonald stiff arming Chris Conti. Um, actually, I'm sorry. I take that back. They interviewed him after the game and asked him about it. And like, is that they asked him, is that what you're looking for to do? Like, what were you thinking on that play? And he basically McDonald says he wanted to inflict as much pain as possible, and he wanted to take him down with as much force as he could. Then they went on to play another clip by um, Gerald McCoy, I think that was for the Buccaneers sacking Roethlisberger. And I kid you not, during the sack. And I didn't watch the game. I don't know if anything was called, but I kid you not, during the sack, McCoy yelled, my fault, Ben, as he was tackling him. He apologized <laughs> for sacking the quarterback. I believe he tried to help him up as well. Okay, exactly. So yep. these players are already cognizant of how they need to act in the game. Um, but there's such an inconsistency. Conti could have easily got a concussion. Not If it weren't for the hand, it could have been how he landed or anything like that. Sure. But no one bats an eye. So I guess there's really no follow-up answer I'm looking from you guys here. Just more of an observation. But just the thought of that, it just really shows that there's 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 something going on, and it's not pretty. There's, there's, there's no forethought to it at all. And, you know, just to, to piggyback on something that Steve said, when you don't know what a catch is, like guys understand how to catch a football. But when you have defenders going to their coaches and asking, like, how am I supposed to, to tackle him uh, and not get a foul? I like the way Booger McFarland put it. Like, basically, a defender would have to go into the matrix once he hits the guy, uh, to, and he's just supposed to magically, like, roll off to the side. Like, he's just supposed to shift his momentum, like Jason Statham and Transporter 3. Uh, that, it doesn't work that way. And, yeah, and, and, and there's no – and they and they had their noses up in the air. Everybody – and Tessator – who I think has done a pretty good job is is just being a company shill talking about, well, this is a point of emphasis this year. What the hell does that mean? That doesn't mean that it, it's rooted in any sort of logic at all. You're expecting a guy to tackle a quarterback and then magically just bounce off of him. If we're going to do that, let's just play two-hand touch on the quarterback and get it over with. Yeah, I mean, and the problem, too, you saw what happened in Miami. We have defensive ends, linebackers that are trying to figure out how to not tackle and not land with all their weight while tackling somebody. How stupid that sounds, I know. But um, William Hayes, defensive end for the Miami Dolphins, tore his ACL because he's trying not to land with all of his weight on the quarterback. Yeah. So I get it. Look, the quarterbacks drive this league. We saw the Packers play last year without Aaron Rodgers, and it sucked. So... I, I guess I don't know. Like, it sucks that they're doing this. I don't like it. I understand the concept of what they were trying to do. They just went about it thinking that if we say, we'll, we'll start calling more roughing the passers, that it will just make the product better. The quarterbacks will be healthier, all that stuff. It's just, no. It, as you said before, it wasn't well thought out. It was just a knee-jerk reaction to try to solve a problem of Aaron Rodgers got smoked last year and driven into the ground. So let's tell people they can't land on the quarterback. It's it doesn't work. It's not football. Yeah, and it's 
it's going to continue to be complained about all season. And like you said, nothing's going to change midseason. These players need to adjust. Um, and I fully anticipate it altering a few games here and there, just because if it's not going to be the penalty, it'll be a player maybe not going 100%. And maybe it doesn't result in a sack when it should have and something happens. I don't know, but it's definitely changing the game. Uh, before we wrap up here, a uh, quick, quick couple of uh, roster moves, I guess, if you want to call them. Byron Bell. We'll be starting at right guard this weekend for the Bills, replacing, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's Justin McCray. Um, and then the Packers did also sign um, offensive lineman Anthony Coyle to the practice squad. Uh, I believe Coyle was on the team earlier this year. Um, again, I guess we are we are the offensive lineman experts since that's how we did start our number one episode. But um, <laughs> do you guys see this making any difference short-term or long-term, or is it just a – I mean, I don't love having McCray out and have, you know, the often the right side of the offensive line doesn't Spriggs over there if Bulaga can't go. Like, I don't love that. It's not great. Hopefully, hopefully McCarthy can remember that what they should be doing is a quick attack offense and getting the ball out quick so the guys aren't uh, feasting on the right side of the offensive line. So fingers crossed that the guys get a little bit healthier on the right side of the offensive line. Um, it's not great. Now, that might explain the additional coil, too, because they did like Anthony Davis. They gave him a $6,000 signing bonus uh, as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he didn't last very long, though. Coyle, uh, one of the guys that came in on Tuesday and, and just tried out, and they liked him enough to give him a spot on the practice squad. So, uh, you know, he, we may see more of the the, the Fordham grad. Uh, Vince Lombardi went to Fordham, by the way, guys. I'm sure you knew that. Mm-hmm. But I just thought I'd mention that for everybody, that uh, the two people, the two Packers fans listening that didn't know that. <laughs> Just well, bring you know, that, that's, a, that's a random fact to win a beer at a bar. That there is. You mm-hmm. Thank us when, when you get that trivia question right. Yep. I think that does it for us here for this week on Pack-A-Day podcast. Uh, tweet at us your opinions, your questions, anything you want at uh, Pack-A-Day podcast or individually at Josh Circle, Steve Perhatch, or Trev underscore. Don't forget the underscore knows. That's all here. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.